Yakuza. Yakuza. Yakuza Kick Radio. 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 The Yakuza Kick Radio. This is the bulldozer of Matt Tremont. That there's one place to listen to on the internet every Thursday, 9 p.m. Yakuza Kick Radio. Tremont says so. Who wants some? God help us. Jesus. God and baby. Jesus. Help us. Ladies and gentlemen of fucking America, this is Danny Havoc, and you have been listening to, or possibly are intending to listen to, the Yakuza Kick fucking radio. Fucking, yeah, Yakuza Kick radio. Hell fucking yeah! My name is Justice Payne, and you are listening to Yakuza Kick radio. You're coming to come on Thursday night. This is a brotherhood, and we all stick together. Like my nuts. I ain't scared of you, motherfucker. Yakuza Kick Radio, the best in internet wrestling radio, period, bar none, just like Adam Cole. Everybody's a cunt but me in the world. I don't know what it is. But you go to the back, and you tell your boss that there's a new Yakuza in town. And it's Yakuza Kick Radio. From the action of bad internet radio, and become the premier place for any independent professional wrestler to stop and record their voice. Well, this is Mr. Insanity Toby Fine, and if you're not listening to Yakuza Kick Radio, then you're weird. Oh, I don't like the cut of your jib, fella. This is Greg Excellent, Spirited Dragon of the Northeast. You're listening to Yakuza Kick Radio. If you're not, you're probably watching porn and you have this muted. You should be listening to it. Jason Man. Where are Biggie and Tupac? Yakuza Kick Radio. Give a nigga rope on that cowboy, guys. All you have to do is listen to Yakuza Kick Radio, but you couldn't. Now look at that jockey, homie. Fuck that. Black dude. Bullshit, man. Motherfucker. Fuck you. Fuck you and fuck you. Who's next? And now, ladies and gentlemen, for the introduction. Hosted by J. Cat Morris. You are now listening to Yakuza Kick Radio. Welcome to Yakuza Kick Radio. I'm your host, Jay Cat Morris. And my guest for tonight, I have on the line right now, is none other than Viking. What's going on, man? You there, man? Oh, hold on. I think I muted you. You there, man? Hello? Yeah, there you are. Hey, right, what's going you on? You heard me now? Yeah, yeah, I got it. Ah, I'm good, and you? Okay, awesome. Good. Yeah, man. Um, So, you know, I wanted to have you on, and uh, got a whole lot of stuff to ask you. I guess start out with the early the early stuff. You know, how did you get into wrestling as a kid? Oh, fuck, man. Like, I think I was, like, 11 years old when we started that shit. Like, but it was, uh, like, in backyard wrestling. And uh, I think it was, it was in 1990. Eight or in 1999, I'm not sure, but pretty much like I started as a, as a referee, and because my I have two older brothers than me, and they were doing wrestling, so I was I just wanted to hang out with my brother, so I started to do referee, and at one point one of their wrestler was missing, and the the promo well, the promoter of the backyard wrestling say like oh you just get 
try out anyway. Yeah. like backyard, so we don't give a fuck like even if it's terrible. And yes, the match was terrible because I think the only thing I did was like I did six or seven power bomb in that match and five DDTs. And it's pretty much just this, and I was like, okay, I like doing this. I like doing power bomb and DDT on like mattress, bed mattress. <laughs> so I pretty much started like this, and yeah, um, like just as, as a kid, kid, like just I was playing around. Yeah, as a kid watching wrestling, who were your favorite wrestlers? You know, coming up. Uh, yeah, I was not like to be honest. I was not a, like a big uh, WWF or WWE whatever fan. Like I was. Uh, a big fucking fan of Wing in Japan. Like, all mm-hmm. those, the crazy shit they were doing in 1992. And when I see those things when I was a kid, it was like, wow, man, that's fucking awesome. Like, oh, like, even what we, like, we do in Ring right now, like, they were doing that shit, like, 20 years ago. Like, like to fire and stuff like this. And that, like, I, I was, like, a big fan of Wing. NFMW okay. too, like I did be with Japan. Like I was like one yeah. of, well, uh, my friend at that time like have like so many VHS uh, of Japan wrestling, and we just pretty much in the weekend is what we're doing, drink like right. beer and even even if I was just like 12 years old, we're just drinking beer, watch Japan wrestling. It was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. So how did you actually get into training to you know actually do it professionally beyond the backyard? Yeah, um, it was like, uh, in that backyard, the federation was called IWL, and it was uh, pretty much like me, Damien, my brother, Kenny, and Takao, another IWS wrestler, and they have that uh, federation called MWF, who is Montreal mm-hmm. Wrestling Federation, who they never did a show in Montreal, but that's kind of weird, and uh, they pretty much like the... They they just started and they need wrestlers and like we get in contact with them and we we didn't have like they didn't ask any training or try out nothing we pretty much like start to from wrestling backyard and to doing a show in front of like I think their first show actually have like maybe like three hundred people and uh, I was like the first match of the first show of MWF against Kenny. Like, the good thing okay. is, like, I wrestled that guy so much time, but, like, even, like, us, what we're doing on nighttime, we're just, like, playing wrestling all the time. So, like, watching tapes and try to do, like, when they say don't try this at home, we actually try all those shit at home, man. And, uh, yeah, yeah we, we started <laughs> at MWF, and then after that, uh, we actually, I we started uh, to train after, like, we, we started that show. Because, like, yeah. that, it's not that we were not like we have, we take the risk and everything like we take crazy bomb and stuff like this. It's just like we didn't have any technique really, like no gears, nothing. Because like when you come from backyard and you just go in in a show, like you kind of don't give a fuck. You're just really happy to wrestle in a real ring. And uh, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, I started at MWF and then I still wrestle at that federation once in a time. Right. Um, who was in the group when you first started? Um, I know you said your brother. That's um, that's Kenny the Bastard, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, awesome. was, well, from from the backyard, like the one who actually wrestled, like if I can say, I did US. It was yeah, the guy I say like it was me, 
Skinny the Wrestler, my brother, uh, Damien, and uh, Takao, mm-hmm. who, like, they, they're all retired now. Except Kenny, uh-huh. like, they do, like, match once in a while, like, at MWF, just for fun like this. But, um, yeah, it was, like, we started, like, all four. We were, like, all really good friends, too. So, it's, yeah, we started all all the four. Right. Um. So, you know, going into that, like, how did you, how did you actually, you know, come up with your gimmick and your name and how you were going to be biking? Okay, well, that was really weird because, like, um, the first match, I say when I, I was a ref and then they decided to, uh, to make me wrestle, it was a two, uh, tag team match. And then the guy I was with, uh, his name, he had a, like, football player uh, gimmick thing. And uh, it's from uh, that city called Iberville, like French place in here. Uh, the city, um, the the football team is called Ourson, who means bear. Um, mm-hmm. And the the league under it is Viking. And so, like, we we didn't know, like, uh, it was not like actual Viking gimmick when I, uh, when I have that name. And pretty much I, I think a lot about tra- changing the name and stuff like this. So I just get stuck into it and... I quite like the history of Viking, like the, is, but like it was not a, I didn't do the the name Viking like as a, a Viking gimmick. And right. a lot like actually a lot of people ask me this like, well that's stupid. It's called Viking and you're not even a Viking. It's like yeah I know my gimmick's a fucking cricket <laughs> and, so like why not? <laughs> but uh, yeah, but I don't think yeah, like um, now I think it's really too late just to change it. It's just gonna confuse people and myself probably. Yeah. Um, so how did you get into IWS? Um, fuck, man, that's a long time ago. Uh, yeah, I remember now. Uh, the IWS did a show. It was uh, a tag team uh, tournament. And uh, at that time, like, it was like, yeah, it was like a double death of IWS pretty much. It's just like a bunch mm-hmm. tag team from everywhere, like different federations and stuff like this. And uh when we started at MWS, like obviously, at that time there's not a lot of people was doing what we're doing. Like even like even backyard wrestling at the at the end, like we pretty much like we did a couple of shows that actually have like more than 100 people, and like that's cool for for backyard and because like people okay. quite enjoy what we're doing at that time. So and uh, when we started at MWF, like we seriously like try everything we can just like to so people can know us and stuff like this and IWS just heard about us and they invite us uh me and Damien against uh that guy called Diz and uh I don't remember the other guy I know his real name but I forgot his wrestling thing and uh me and Damien we get we get eliminated in the first round but the show after that they keep us and they didn't take the other team because like the like they didn't know like who to put over like they, so they just decided to put the other team. But actually, like with the crowd, like me and Damien have way uh, better reaction with the crowd than uh, the two other guy. So after uh-huh. that, like we start easily like this. It didn't take yeah. like we didn't have to uh, to to like just uh, go in training, try to help them with like the chairs and so like no, we just started yeah. and uh, they keep. They they keep us. 
Like sometimes yeah. it gets really easy to, to get into federation. You just like do one match. Okay, we like you. You stay with us. Like okay, fine, man. I can deal with this. Right. So how did the Angry Aryans team come about? Like how did you and Damien come up with that that angle and you know to go with that angle? Yeah, well, um, it's pretty much like we were heel. Like we were a big fan of like Dudley Boys, Dudley Boys uh, ah, of ECW yeah. at that time, and like we like what. Uh, like the Angry Aryans, it's like so easy to be healed with this. Like you actually don't have to do nothing. You just come and like how you dress and like all you, the, all you talk to the crowd and stuff like this. Like people's gonna hate you like really fast. So yeah. at the start, I will say like it was really like a cheap move of us, like just to have it hazy. Like okay, we're like to the uh, Onesi guy, whatever, and uh, people start to hate us. So it was like cheap and easy of us but it, it was quite cool too yeah um do you have any like crazy stories of any you know tremendous heat you got from that angle because obviously you know it crosses over to it's kind of a nerve you know some personal issues with people so oh yeah yeah, well, yeah, man, well, uh, yeah actually like i didn't see it but like uh somebody uh told us uh iws that um, they were doing scratch at laval um it's like the north of the the, after, the city right after montreal and uh, actually there's a lot of black people uh, at uh, at laval and uh i heard them some people were waiting for us with gun after a show one time but like the wow. the promoter and uh one of the wrestler but because like you know it, it was like they used the the story, the or gimmick too, like IWS, because like when we started, like they they were not sure about the ingredients. It was like okay, like we're there's a lot of black people in the crowd and stuff like this, but like they actually start to book us against black people. So like I don't know, like I I think it will look worse in the states, but in Canada, at that time it was not like it was okay. Like people know it's wrestling, like it's a gimmick. We're not racist right. in real life, like. Obviously, if we wrestle black people, that means then we talk to them and like we hang out with them, because like when you you wrestle full time full time in a federation, you're like friend with the wrestler. Like not every time, but like most of the time, like you you need a goshini with them and everything. And uh, yeah, like apparently, like they were waiting for us with gun after the show, and uh, the re- the black guy will wrestle or uh, they go- they go see those guys and say like, look, it's like a character, like come down and, but like uh, we never did angry everyone's of IWS after that. Like when I heard about that shit, I was like, oh fuck off, man! Like I'm gonna take the chance to get shot and stuff like this. So uh, we started the yeah. SLE like more, like we changed from like neo Nazi guy to just like to redneck kidaker. And right, like it was, it was like more safe for us. I think, like I understand some people get upset about it, but at the same time, if you get that upset in a wrestling show, I think you're just too fucking stupid to go to a wrestling show. Like it's, <laughs> right. it's a show. Like it's not <laughs> anyway. Like, but uh, yeah, it was, it was a thing. Like most of the time, like I I remember at like NWF when we were doing Angry Aliens. Uh, we wrestled at a CD called Valleyfield, and uh, like it was weird because like we we were healed, but people in the crowd love us, and I think 
the, like people in the Valley Field are so fucking redneck, redneck they, they didn't even know what the Nazi was. So they just start right. to love us and do the, like the Nazi sign. And like, we're just like coming in the ring and like you see kids doing like Hitler signs, stuff like this. So we're like, okay, well, that's fucking weird, man. But like, just like yeah. people didn't know what it was there because they were like seriously fucking redneck. Like they're, yeah. they're still redneck in that city, but like, <laughs> um, yeah. But I didn't yeah. lie. Most of the time, like, and like, when you wrestle like in a lot of federations, especially in Quebec, you always see the same fan pretty much. So like, mm-hmm. and, like fan follow you like federation federation, like they know it's just a gimmick. So we didn't have really a weird story except the the gun thing and the the kid doing big high. Yeah. Um, so, you know, following your, your teaming with Damien, you had, um, you had a brutal feud with him. I mean, you guys were kicking the shit out of each other all over the place. Um, you know, what was your thoughts? Yeah, yeah. Obviously, obviously you went way back with him. Um, you know, how'd you feel about the feud and, you know, what was your plan going on? I like this. I really enjoy my feud with Damien back in the day. It's just, what I think is weird is like, they started so fast. Like we did. I, we only had two matches, me and him, like, one at uh, IWS and the other one, I, I, yeah, it was um, when IWS did a show at uh, ECW Arena, mm-hmm. and uh, it's, it's just like, uh, after that, they turned, like, they put Damien in the storyline with uh, Kevin Steen, and they put me in teaming with uh, Fred, um, like, it was... the. We were really, really good friends, me and Damien, at that time. Like, we were talking on the phone every day or, like, in the weekend, we always, like, go wrestle someplace. And when we didn't wrestle, like, we were just hanging out and watching Kevin wrestling. Uh, the fact we were a good friend like this, I think, is why we, like, beat the shit out of each other, me and him. Like, actually, like, in our match, like, now, like, it's more common. You can see it, like, really stiff stuff, but, like, uh, like he actually punched me so fucking hard in the face in the match like maybe 10 or 15 times and I was like what the fuck man but like the fact is my friend and we're friends we, after the <laughs> match we just give a big hug and drink a beer after that but uh, yeah. yeah it was like it was it was really stiff like feud but for me like it ended up like way too fast then yeah. I wish that would yeah, happen I, again. Like I would like to have a rematch against Damien, but like that will never happen. So, right, he's come uh, to the Damien of wrestling. Yeah, he left wrestling. Um, what? So, um, he he stopped wrestling. Mhm. Excuse yeah. me, what you just um, said? I said uh, Damien quit wrestling. No, 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 like he stopped for ages now. Like, uh, I. One of the celebration in Quebec, uh, he told me like he asked Damien to to go do one match and everything, and like he he don't want to do that thing anymore. It's like I I think it will like even if you you offer him a lot of money and stuff like this, and like I think it will just never go back in the ring. Yeah. Anyway, um, he's fat well, now. <laughs> oh yeah. 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 I'm gonna send you a picture on Facebook later. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, it's you know it's funny because um. You know, I I remember back then, you know, when you guys came over, you were considered to be the fat guy out of the two. I mean, next to Damien, you were you were not the small guy. 
and uh, yeah. know, years later, when I when I saw you pop back up, I'm like, whoa, that's Viking. Whoa, <laughs> look at this guy. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, like, I think a lot of people like here. Uh, they yeah. like in a, in a couple of years, like I lost weight so fucking fast, man. Like I nearly like lost 100 pounds. Uh, how did you do the the weight loss and everything, and going to the, well, you know, the big like, change? Yeah, I would like to say it's just cocaine and, and lazy thing, but no, it's not the fact. Then uh, it was like at um, at IWS, I have a gimmick against excess, and uh, it was like the big feud uh, at that time. And like uh, at one point, one of my matches, and it was like in a fucking shitty place, a shitty show. Like yeah, you no, know, like maybe like forty people in the crowd, and um, I was sitting on the third rope, and he gave me a palm strike, but. Like, excess, sometimes you get quite mental in the ring. Like, you <laughs> you can never really trust that guy. Like, well, at that time, now is another thing. Like, it's really different. But at that time, like, it was really fucking stiff. And um, he broke my, uh, my, my jacket broke. And the fact I was sit on the third row, I passed out. And then I fell down outside of the ring and broke my jaw again, but the other side, like he hit me from the right and I landed at left. So uh, pretty much like I broke my, like uh, I broke my jaw and uh, I cannot eat for a team closer ball. Cannot eat. I was taking some shake and stuff like this, but um, for uh, a month and, in that month, I think the first month I actually lose around like 40 pounds. And uh, wow. after that, I was like, okay, so I actually can lose, like, I used that thing. Like, I was like, okay, I can lose weight, so that's quite cool. And, uh, well, I don't know, it's just like, um, I, I don't really go to gym and stuff like this. I have a, mm-hmm. like, I have a physical job and everything, but uh, it's pretty much how I eat now. But, like, uh, I know that, like, I, I become a vegetarian uh, maybe, like, 10 years no, no more like six years ago too, and uh, that oh, okay. actually changed a little bit. Like how I I eat and everything, but it was pretty I, much like I, when I like when when I see that I can lose like forty pounds in a month, but like obviously like the first month it was most of the water, it was not really fat, but uh, yeah, I just like okay, I'm just gonna try it and it actually worked, but it was. It was not hard, I will say, at the start because, like, my jaw hurt so bad and I just cannot eat. So a lot of people who go in a regime and stuff like this, they say, like, is the what is hard is, like, pretty much the first week or two weeks, like, to really change when you're, like, used to eat bad food. Like me, I was just, like, drinking beer, like, every night and eat fucking poutine. So, like, I was quite fat. Like, uh, I think at one point, like, the biggest I won was, like, 240 pounds. And mm. now I'm like 160. So, yeah, man, that's that's a big change. Uh, that's definitely a unique way to lose weight is to you know break your jaw a couple of times. Exactly. Like I was talking that to a wrestler last time. Like I was like, I'm just gonna start my own losing weight thing. Like you come at my place, I broke your fucking jaw, and trust me, you're gonna lose. You're gonna lose weight <laughs> with me, man. But like, yeah. I don't think that people will like this. <laughs> <laughs> it probably won't be too popular. Um, so, uh, you know, what was your thoughts on the, um, you know, IWS and, you know, a lot of those guys got a big shot and came over into the U.S. through, you know, Jersey yeah. All-Pro, CZW, um, 
you know, it was mainly those those four guys initially with Steen and Generico, Excess, and, and Sexy Eddie. Eddie made a big splash yeah. at the TOD, and it kind of helped open the doors. But, um, you know, what was your thoughts on that mm-hmm. whole, you know, emergence of, well, of those guys into the U.S.? Well, obviously, like, me, i always been, like, really happy for uh, every wrestler who would go, like, more and like more far and like they can go another federation like uh always being really good friend with kevin uh mm-hmm. el Rico and uh, eddie except it was like 50 50 like i was i was okay with him but like i i think at that time i didn't really enjoy so well i didn't like the guy's attitude at that time too because he was like kind of mental but i know like I heard after that, like, take a lot of, like, roids and stuff like this, too. So, like, yeah, everyone go fucking crazy on those shit. But um, mm-hmm. they always been, like, every time I see, like, I remember at the uh, Tournament of Death when Eddie, that thing happened. And after that, like, you get so much fucking booking everywhere. Like, it was crazy. Like, it was just, like, that opened the door. And, like, I was, re- like, me always being, like, really uh, supportive with, uh, people will go more far because like we're friends with them too and like we, we all do it for fun but it's fun to see like some friend to like actually make a name in this and go more far and like uh, that's uh, Wrestlemania like just to being in my living room and see Kevin and uh, yeah. at fucking Wrestlemania yeah. I was like okay man I was hanging out with those guys and like I get drunk so much time with Kevin too like back in the days were going out pretty much every night every time like he go wrestle in the states like he come on Mondays and Monday night we're just like go drink and he talk about his weekend and everything so it, like it's really cool to see you uh, see like yeah I like it when people yeah. even like now like I'm not I'm not really close of uh, Mike Bailey but like what I see like everything like it sucks the thing happened in the states for him but like, it's going to go to Japan soon and stuff like this. Like, I'm really happy to see people uh, of Quebec who actually, like, uh, go to other places uh, than Quebec and just to show show them, like, what we can do in here. Right. Um, so, you know, was there, at any point, was there any kind of, you know, jealousy or, or competitiveness amongst the guys? Because, you know, everybody became a little bit more in demand, but there was different sets of guys, mm-hmm. whether it was, you know, the hardcore ninjas or, um, yeah. you know, Kenny or, you know, whoever it may have been, um, different people were being brought in and, and to the ECW arena. Um, was there any bit of like competitiveness or jealousy amongst the guys? I, well, what, 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 sorry, I didn't understand your question at all. then. <laughs> Like, I understand the word you say, but, like, uh, I, I didn't understand what it means. Well, um, more or less, like, you know, was there any bit, uh, you know, was anybody mad that somebody got a shot where the other guy didn't? Oh, okay, well, if I see this or if I was, man? Yeah, I mean, either you I or see... other people. I know, actually, like, i never seen, like, uh, some, like, when at uh, – Back in the days at IWS, we we all wrestled at IW. Well, all the wrestlers of IWS, we wrestled at MWS too, and uh, uh-huh. so like twice a month we were hanging out at MWS, and once a month we we just we were like at IWS, and uh, like when you you get friends with people, like you 
you, yeah, obviously, like, they have a group and, like, who's being made, but, like, it was a big group. It was not, like, like two, three group in one federation. Like, uh, all IWS wrestler, I will say, like, in 2004, 2005, like, we were all really close and, like, try to, to help each other. And, like, every time... Um, when uh, some even like in some match, like we we all see then like uh, El Generico and Kevin Steen will go really far in that thing in wrestling and like every time we have questions like okay well like we want to do that handing but we're not sure we always like go see those guy and they give their opinion and like uh, it, it happens often at IWS and you just ask another wrestler oh what do you think about this and he's gonna give you his opinion about it but. Uh, me personally, I never seen like some uh, attitude thing of uh, of the guy of IWS. Oh, okay. Um, I heard you know, I heard them some other people seen it, but like me, like what touched my match or other stuff, like it never happened. Like I'm quite cool with everyone, me. So cool, cool. Um, you know, now going into CZW, um, some of the guys in their locker room didn't have the best reputation for being, you know, really welcoming to outside talent. Um, Okay. How was your experience going into CZW, and how were you treated? You know, entering the locker room initially. Well, I I was so like low profile at CZW that I think is why like I never uh, see anything bad there. Like I I think I did like two or three matches at CZW only, but like I was just like a random match in the show. Um, actually, no one I like I never seen anyone uh like say stuff to me or thing like this because like even mm-hmm. backstage like even now like i'm quite low profile to backstage like i i hang out with pretty much everyone but like i, I don't like um i don't ask for attention or anything like this and speak loud and people love to see me and stuff like this like i'm but uh no at CCW, i've never seen uh, anything like well to be uh, not only at CW, like in all my career, uh, well, in all the the wrestling, the federation I wrestled, like I never, uh, I never have any. No, wait, no, that's not true. Like Sid Vicious say something to me one time, <laughs> but is the only guy. Like it was really weird. Like at IWS, like Sid Vicious go see me and it's like, how much like, how much weight you are, and I was like, uh, two hundred pounds, and you just look at me in the eyes and you say like. You're 200 pounds of shit, and he left. I was like, what the <laughs> oh, fuck was that, man? Like, why are you attacking me, man? But, like, <laughs> it was, like, a really fucking weird guy, man. Like, I actually, like, oh, see him man. put, like, makeup on a midget at that show, and I was like, what the fuck's happening? Like, Sid Vicious is putting makeup on a midget, and he quite built a machine time with a bottle of water and went to the ring. and <laughs> Like, it was really weird. It was on IWS. I think it was the... the uh, yeah, the five anniversary of IWS. If anyone can right. find that shit online, they should put it. Like, he was so over with the crowd when he's like, okay, my God, Sid Vicious is in the ring, IWS ring, everyone's freaking out. And then he take a microphone and just kill himself, like, kill everything. Like, he starts to talk and people was like, okay, that guy's fucking weird. And like 45 minutes after that, he was still talking. And like, people in the crowd was like yelling, shut the fuck up. Like, they were just of seeing him <laughs> but uh, except wow. Sid Vicious like everyone's been really cool in wrestling what I see so far cool cool 
Um, you know, what was your experience, you know, meeting John Zandig for the first time? He has a, you know, a big personality and a big, you know, reputation. And, you know, what was your feelings meeting but, him for the first time? Uh, the first time I see him, it was just, uh, I say hi, and I don't think I say bye to him. Like, I see him, like, two seconds. Like, I understand, like, when you, you promote some show, like, you have, like, people don't understand, well, not, they don't understand, but, like, they don't see sometimes, like, when you wrestle in a show and you promote a show, you have to be at, like, 10 places at the same time. Like, you have to make sure that you're always going to have problems and stuff like this. So, like, what I pretty much, like, of Zendig, like, yeah, I think it was, like, really busy the the, sh- the at the show, so, like, no, I barely, like, talked to him, and at that point, too, like, my English was, uh, I was not speaking English, well, I still not speak English really well, but, like, it's way better now, uh, but at that time, I cannot speak English at all, too, so it was quite, like, I think it's why, too, like, my match at CCW at that time were quite, uh, I wasn't going to say boring, but, like, I didn't do a lot at CCW, too, because, like, I cannot just, like, uh, go touch the guy and explain good what I want to do and stuff like this. But then no, it's right. like I, I learned English. Right. Um. You know how how difficult was that the language barrier to figure out? You know to work out a match with somebody in the ring that you know wasn't fluent in your language. Uh. Sometimes like, sometimes it's hard, but um. I will say like, to plan the wrestling is not too bad. Like I'm pretty sure it's a lot worse when like some people wrestle some Japanese guy or like people from like just other country. Like us in uh, Canada, like yeah, I live in the French bit of Canada, but like pretty much like everyone can just speak English a little bit. So uh, mm-hmm. we. Like I didn't at that time is the thing like I didn't have any conversation so I I didn't get get like close to uh, the wrestler I, I wrestled to but like sometimes you just try like when I don't understand like I just say flat out like look I understand fuck fuck all what you're saying like just show me the move like don't do it to me but like just show me how you're gonna pick me and like how we gonna do that reverse thing and stuff like this so there's a lot of of movement like we you just actually do with backstage and you're like okay yeah i can do this but uh even like in france like french wrestler like we a lot of wrestling move we we say the word like in english too because like when we were watching wrestling when we were young and stuff like this like they they always like we call the move by the english name in here anyway oh, okay. except in quebec city like they actually like say french words the wrestling move and that's like really confuse everyone yeah. right um do you have any um you know memories of working jersey all pro i think you only had worked there maybe once or so but um yeah i just yeah one time and uh i wasn't a oh, fuck i forgot the name of the guy bandito uh, jr is the guy you wrestled yeah exactly it's this. yeah yeah it's this uh, it's not like a ref on NXT right now, man. Yeah. Somebody yep. send me, like, tell me this. Like, it was like, what the fuck, man, drinking that guy? And uh, the only reason I get booked to Jose Al Pro, to be honest, is because, like, uh, Beef, Eddie, and uh, Lucy Stowe was booked in that show. And um, we all, the, the day after that, we all wrestled in uh, Toronto for, uh, like, a deathmatch tournament. 
And uh, so beef was talking to the guy at the result room. He's like, look, Viking's going to be there. So, like, can you book him? And you say, like, oh, okay. But, like, what's weird? I was, like, the IWS champion at that time. And I did a dark match at that show. So I was like, okay, well, right. that's quite weird. But, like, I was – I. I keep it really simple. Like the fact is a dark match too, but at the same time, like I wanted to show them like, you know, like I would like to be invited again and stuff like this. And it never happened though. But, uh, um, I wrestled Necro Butcher the day after that is why, like, to be honest, like I, it's not that I didn't give a fuck about that show, but like, I was so fucking nervous to face Necro Butcher the day after that. And I was just like, when I was planning the match, I remember like, I was just thinking about, Oh my God. And Necro was at that show too, and like right. the fact I was not speaking English, uh, I didn't have any conversation with him. But like when you just look at that guy, like he looks so fucking mean, and like he's actually like really fucking cool guy. But like when you just see him, and like you see some the shit he did, uh, some video of his wrestling, you're like, oh my god, man, I'm gonna fucking die tomorrow, man. And so pretty much like <laughs> all my experience at Jersey All Pro, I was scared of Nick Butcher because I faced him the day after that. Well, actually, like was a really cool match, man. Yeah. Um, like I wish I had uh, a rematch. Were... Like well, I was meant to have a rematch against Nick at IWS, but uh, Nick Rowe permanently with the plane, so he didn't show up. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I just, at least I wrestled him one time. Yeah. Um, now you worked a barbed wire tables match at uh, Cage of Death Nine. And um, that was, uh, you know, you worked at KG. That's a big show. Um, do you remember, you know, that show and and, and what it was like to be on that card? Because I know the KG Death was uh, people in the building at the time. Yeah, well, uh, really? What the fuck? Okay, well, that's a long time ago, so I don't really remember. It was not uh, me, Eddie, and Wax. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yep. I think it was this year. Um, well. I'm not sure, like, to be honest, I have no memories to, uh, like, uh, I don't know if the day after that, like, we wrestled in another place is why I was there, maybe, but, uh, yeah, like, I remember, like, I didn't do a lot in that match, too, like, uh, sometimes, like, when you go to Federation, you get, like, intimidate a little bit. I would mm-hmm. say, like, I, I know Hedy a lot. I wrestle him a lot, too. But um, sometimes, like, even you, you can have some, like, really good match at some place. And just, like, a month after that, you go in a celebration with the same guy and the match won't going to be as good. Like, why, you don't know. It's just, like, they didn't really work out, like, good that time. But, like, uh, uh, I remember I was really disappointed about that match uh, at CCW. Uh, yeah. I think it's like when you, you get in a new venue and like you wrestle in the ECW arena, like we all being like ECW fan too, like it's quite, you're, you're happy to be there, but at the same time, like when you're scared and just start to get nervous and stuff like this, like you just uh, pretty much like cannot perform good in the ring for, uh, for that show. But like, uh, yeah, I, I don't really remember nothing, any shot of that match or any, like, uh, I don't remember that day at all. I don't know who fucking okay. dragged me there, to be honest. <laughs> it's been like, which um, year was that? Uh, that was... Like 2007? Uh, yeah, I'd say probably about that. Yeah, yeah well, fuck, man, that's a long time ago. 
<laughs> yeah. I um, had, like, fucking, like, four concussion after that. So, like, I <laughs> like, with dates and stuff like this, and especially, like, at that, like, 2005 to 2009, like, I wrestle, like, every weekend, too, so, like, sometimes you just get, like, confused with show then like sure. okay, I did that match and stuff like this but uh, I remember like I, I was not happy about that match at uh, Cage of Death and uh, like right. I always like hope I hope they can invite me again but no I they well I understand them too like like you want you want some yeah. some good stuff and when you don't perform good like they give you like one or two try out and it don't work like they just don't invite you again but it's like yeah uh, Right. And in 2007, you worked uh, the Carnage Cup for IWA uh, Deep South. Uh, what do you remember about Carnage yeah. Cup? Uh, I didn't see anything of them online before uh, that show, but I remember, like, um, always wrestled in, like, I, I wasn't going to say big federation, but, like, big indie wrestling, like, with the entrance and, like, um, you know, like, there's no light in the crowd, just light in the ring and stuff like this. Like, when I remember, like, me and Hedy, we uh, we we take the plane to go there. So I was like, oh, my God, that's, like, my first booking. They're actually going to pay me, like, the plane and stuff like this. And that's fucking huge. That's awesome. And, like, uh, we went to the show, and I I don't know where it was in Tennessee, but, like, it was redneck, but I think like everything in there is redneck. But um, yeah, <laughs> I just see that like ugly fucking building. I was like, oh, what the fuck, man? I was like, okay, well, this may be nice inside. And now it just actually gets worse when you go inside. Like it was my the first time I wrestled in a place like I don't say like the the show like the show was better, but uh, it's just like they don't uh, put money maybe like in the entrance and stuff like this. Like I remember. Like when we did our entrance, we just opened a door and you can see the other wrestler backstage on the back. <laughs> and uh, but like the crowd was really cool though. Like it didn't have a lot of people, but uh, I quite pre- I prefer that. That's what makes me like like smaller show too. Um, they have they have some federation. They're gonna put like so much like visual stuff and thing like this, like they're gonna put money on how the federation look and things, but um, maybe I don't think they even have like 100 people, but like those 100 people was making noise, like if they have 500 or 600, and uh, I really enjoy like my experience, so I did it myself. But it fucking sucked mm-hmm. because if like I ate no meat, like I was really fucked up. But me and Hedy, we were in a were doing a transfer of uh, plane at one point and we just started to hang out with that guy who have a wine bar and we actually miss our plane because we start to drink wine and we're talking about uh-huh. like that guy's like, Oh, you're from Montreal. Come here. We're going to drink. We're going to give you wine. And me and AD were like, okay, fine then. And we just drink like two or three bottles of wine. And then like <laughs> we, when we were at Nashville airport, like we're a little bit drunk. And I think, um, the wrestler, I, it's not Tank, a freak, freak show. I'm not sure, man. Like a big guy. Uh, yeah. He was just the there and it's like, you're a wrestler? And I was like, uh, yeah. He's like, come with me. He's like, oh my God, are we going to get raped? What the fuck is happening right now? And uh, we went <laughs> to the show and like, it was, it was quite, I hate when that happened. Like, you know, when you travel like maybe six, five, six hours, like, even if we take the plane, like, every time we do, like, a transfer of the plane, 
you always wait at least one hour, one hour and a half. And the day before that, fuck, I don't remember which show that was, but me and Hedy wrestled in a show, and like it, when I wrestled at IDW, they tell it was the first time I take the plane to not just like to go wrestle, but like in my life, it was the first time, and so I was nervous. So the day before, they decided to drink alcohol a lot. So it's killed the nervous and like I get so fucking sick in the plane now. But uh, yeah, yeah. IWD still uh, was a cool experience. Especially like yeah. when you um, just, uh, it was my first like big match outside too. So I was, I see, uh, I never like, I never looked my match. Like I'm not a big fan of what I'm, it's not a fan of what I'm doing, but like I, Every time, like, I used to watch my match back in the days, but I would always, like, see the bad stuff, not the good stuff. So uh, I always put myself down a little bit in wrestling. So when I get invited to other places, I was like, okay, well, that's really cool. Like, some people enjoy what I'm doing. So it's always nice. Right. Now, um, and, you know, that was uh, Deep South, uh, IWA Deep South. In 2008, um, you went into IWA Mid-South. And that's, you know, for Ian Rotten yeah. and everything. Um, what was it like working for Ian Rotten? Uh, Ian always been really cool to me. Like, I never really talked to him a lot. But uh, what I can say of Ian, like, he really, well, for, of the Canadian, like, I don't know how he is with other people, but he's always been, like, he really take care uh, of me and Eddie a lot, like, every time. Um we went uh, to to the airport. They always have somebody there who come pick us up, bring us to the hotel. Like, there's no, like, uh, trouble with, like, at right and left. And it's like, oh, fuck, they have that thing. Like, we didn't plan that thing. Like, and uh, every time we went to a restaurant before or after the show, we always, like, pay for us. Which should be, like, really nice when you see a promoter, a promoter doing this for you. Like, I have nothing bad to say about that guy. Like, he's always been really, really fucking cool. Like, I heard some people right. online say some shit about him, and but I was like, yeah, but obviously, like, you want to make money. Like, everyone wants to fucking make money, but, like, I never see, I, I, me personally, I never seen that guy as a cheap guy. Like, he's always been, been really cool, and, right. and like, yeah. it's quite cool to wrestle for that guy, too. Like, everyone who's, like, we all watch that guy when we're younger and everything, so when you get invited by a professional wrestler of uh, ECW, it's, like, it's quite cool to to see this. Yeah. And he, he always had a good eye for talent. Uh, he puts you in a in a four-way match against Michael Elgin, Drake Younger, and Roderick Strong in a knockout or submission match. Uh, you know, what's your memories of that match? Uh, I re- Yeah, I wrestled uh, Drake... I think one time before that at IWA Deep South. So, like, I knew pretty much, like, in that match, like, we come late at that show, too. So, uh, w- when we came at the show, it's pretty much like, put your gears, you have to wrestle in, like, 10 minutes. And it was like, oh, my God, man, what the fuck is happening? And uh, <laughs> again, I wrestled that guy at C4 before, I think. I'm not sure if it was before or after that show. But, like, I remember I wrestled a... Uh, Michael Ginn uh, before, so it was pretty much just uh, Red Rick Strong. I never wrestled him, so I was quite like nervous about this. But I know what like when you're four in a match and less bad. Like uh, most of the match, I think it was like me and Drake doing some stuff. The only thing I did to Red Rick Strong it was giving him chop, I think. But 
the when you're like you came to a for a federation for a, for a new show and like you did like six or seven hour uh, hours of travel and like you're you're gonna wrestle in ten minutes you don't have the time to think so uh, I don't I I think when I think I heard Frederick Strong with my chop though like. Uh, he told me backstage like he didn't like how I chop him and stuff like this. <laughs> but uh, understand like it's their their different way to like to chop people it means more like uh, I don't do it sideways. I'm doing front, so like some people can think it hurt more. But uh, yeah, no, I've like what I remember. I think like uh, uh, people enjoy that match, but it was a uh, yeah. Like I say, yeah, like the speak. fact we we came late and everything, like I have no, like I don't remember like what happened in the match or stuff like this. Yeah. And but speaking it was the first time chops, I had brain damage. Huh? Speaking of your chops, you had uh, you had gotten to be pretty well known for you know those those handprint chops. You would leave like a handprint tattoo on guys. Um, what um, how did that become your thing? I, the, like. I think the first big chop I give was uh, against uh, my match, uh, me versus Damien, the first match we had. Um, we're doing that thing, like, you, you give me forearm, I give him chop for hunger. And, like, my chop didn't sound good really much. Like, they, they were, like, clapping. Like, they were good, but they were not really good. And, like, Damien, I think, well, he didn't get pissed off. Like, like you see the, the the crowd was going down a little bit about that thing. So he just, like, punched me in the face, like, really punched me. And you can see uh, in the DVD or the video of it, uh, I fell down. I get up, and I give him a chop, and he actually screamed. And, like, he, he didn't pass out, but, like, he fell down on the floor after that chop. Like, I was so fucking mad at him but like mad in a good way even like I don't mm. know if that exists being mad in a good way but um, I just pretty much like I give all the, the like energy I had for for one shop and I say okay man I can actually do this but after that like I don't like to do that uh, every time too because like you know when you give chop uh, people sometimes when in a match, like, you're going to give, like, I don't know, 10, 15, 20 chops. Like, when you hit the guy the hardest you can, like, my hand actually started to hurt, too, at one point, too. Like, and, like, people in the crowd, they just, like, screaming, chop, chop, chop. And it's like, fuck, man. Like, my hand is, like, all fucking swollen right now because, obviously, like, it's, it, it must not feel good on his chest. But, like, my hand hit that thing. But, like, most of the time when I give a lot of chop, like, my my hand is really swollen after that. Yeah. But like the guy's um, chest is fucking disgusting too, though. Like, so I cannot like say something about this. Right um, now, Ian also booked you against Brody Lee, who's now Luke Harper on TV. Um, what's your memories of that match? Uh, I remember it was a really fast match, though. Like, uh, it was uh, IWM. I thought was doing a two show. Uh, I think that was on a Saturday. Yeah, I wrestled a Friday at another place against a guy. I don't remember. And uh, I wrestled Brody Lee the day after that. Uh, like it's when I see that guy, like I was like, okay, yeah, it's big and everything, but like he, he looked, he was really professional too. Like it, it was not like he didn't have any attitude or anything. So like 
at the start, that's really cool. When you see somebody fucking tall and big like him, you don't want to have attitude. And, like, you just see the little French guy and he's going to say, like, okay, I'm just going to kill that guy. But uh, it's pretty much like, I think it was just, like, a six-minute match. But it was, like, a, like short and sweet. Like, we just uh, give everything we have in, like, six minutes. And then sometimes I prefer to do that in a longer match. Uh, he chopped a lot. Like, I remember, like, uh, I know, like, I give a bit chop, but, like, I, I love to receive chop, too. So, um, when uh, when he gave me some in the match, uh, I was like, okay, man, that guy is fucking, like, he can hit a lot. But uh, it was a really cool guy. Uh, I was hoping to have a rematch to against that guy, but no, it never happened. I don't think it will ever happen anymore anyway, so then it's quite cool what's happening to it. And then you uh, you teamed up with Sexy Eddie in the Double Death Tag uh, Tag Tournament. Um, you know, yeah. What was your thoughts on that? You know, Tag Team Deathmatch Tournament. You had mentioned you've done a Tag Team Deathmatch Tournament before, but uh, you know, what was this one like? But at that point too, it was not like the first time I wrestled that I did with myself. So like at that show, like. When you go like two, three times in the federation, like you get close to the to other wrestlers. So like, I was like actually really happy to be at that show because like I started to. I think the uh, the first time I faced Danny Avok was that weekend too. Then I was like really happy to. Uh, it was on the day two, and um, it was my first like uh, I will say. Well, yeah, it's my my first tag team tournament. Well, deathmatch tournament, uh, except the one at IWS when we started. So uh, we didn't know. Uh, Sometimes when too, when you get booked, like you don't have like especially in tournament, you don't receive all the information. They just ask you like, oh, do you want to wrestle for us? And like you talk about money and like hotel or whatever, and and it's like, okay, it's that date, so you you're pretty much like, okay. And then later you see online, okay, I'm gonna face that guy, but we didn't know we did, we will do like. Uh, too much, but like obviously, like they bring us from Canada. They want to, it's gonna make me do us my one match. But um, our first night, though, I was it was really weird. It was like a staple gun match. Like you have to hit the other guy thirteen times with a staple gun. And yeah. it's like it's quite hard to do. Like you, if you know, like when you do that match show, like if you have like light tube and glass and stuff like this, and then. You just see a little staple gun after that. You're like, people in the crowd are like, okay, like, we, you should at least start with staple gun and then finish with glass, though. But, like, uh, the day after that, we have a family bring a weapon against Danny Havoc. And, fuck, I forgot the name of the other guy. But, um, uh, actually, like, I really enjoyed that. Uh, that family bring the weapon he had. And, like, me and Hedy get so fucking drunk, man, uh, after the, the first show. Like, we buy a big yeah. bottle of vodka at one place, and, like, that owner of the building was like, oh, you cannot drink in here and everything. So we kind of make her drunk. Like, we, we didn't force her to drink alcohol. It was like, oh, come on, we're from Canada. Let us drink. It was like, are oh, you from Canada? It's like, yeah, you want a shot? And she said yes. And, like, we make her drunk in, like, 20 minutes, man. And, um, but it was a really cool, like, weekend, uh, the first time I met uh, Madman Pondo too, then I was a fan of him because uh, I see the, the shit he did, like, in his match and everything. So it's always cool when you get invited and, like, you're going to meet some people you 
Because, like, I wrestle, but I'm a wrestling fan, too. Like, I love looking that match wrestling. Like, all, all the wrestlers would do that for, like, 10 years at least. I always, like, when the DVD go out, I, well, I don't always buy the DVD. But, like, I at least, like, so when some people put that on YouTube, I'm always going to look like match of, uh, of those guys. So, uh, I do. That show was really cool. Just to meet like all the deathmatch wrestlers in the states in one weekend, it was really nice. Yeah. Um, now you know after you guys started showing up in CZW, um, you know mainly the the main four, but then you know we saw you and Damien and Kenny and so many other people. I started buying the the IWS DVDs, so I, I became pretty familiar with the whole the whole roster, and I, I like the product that you guys were putting out. Um, Okay. You know, another uh, another guy, you know, who's part of the roster was um, Kurt Lauderdale, and yeah. he became known in the news shortly after everybody kind of learned his name in the states. You know, he, he went away. Um, you know, what was, you know, from your perspective, you know, what what went on, and you know, how did that affect you guys? Well, there's like. It didn't really like touch us uh, personally about that thing. Like, yeah, obviously, like obviously, like it's not, it's not a good reputation. What that gives you, like people, they're gonna say something like, talk it good, talk it bad, but talk about it. But like, except in that kind of thing, like you just don't want to talk about that shit. Um, mm. Third, like uh, I, I think he did that after uh, right after the what he did was right after the. IWS show in the ECW arena. And uh, mm-hmm. I remember after that show, like, so pretty much like, uh, it, well, he was smoking weed, but uh, I was drinking beer with him like one or two days before he did that thing. And uh, actually the cops come see me at my job. Like uh, I was working for my father at that time. And like my father comes see me and it's like, uh, just like uh, the cop is on the phone. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like the cops, like I did nothing. And they just like they say like uh, they 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 ask me like how I was and everything and they will like to talk to me and it's like okay that's fucking weird man like what the fuck did I did and uh, they start to talk question like about Kurt and stuff like this but like too at that point I didn't really know what like that thing was happening like he, he was a suspect but like they they didn't talk it uh, in the news uh, like at that time and. Uh, I think like two or three days after that, they get arrested. Uh, no, no, excuse me, it's at least a week because like uh, uh, between the show at ECW Arena, like the week after that, uh, we have a show at Valley Field for MWF and Kurt wrestled there too, and he was actually at the show. And he get arrested, I think, the Monday or the Tuesday after that. So uh, after uh, he killed that person, like we we actually see him and. Us, we were all like, oh, man, we know it, that's bullshit. Like, we know you didn't do this. Like, because he was one of her friends. Like, it's too, mm-hmm. like, I hate to say this. Like, like you know, every time, like, in the neighborhood, like, somebody's going to do something like this. Like, you just, they interview the neighbors. And it's like, oh, no, he was a pretty cool guy. I don't understand why he did, like, how he can do right. that shit. But, like, it's true. Like, I don't understand even now, like, no one really know. Like, it's really confusing, all that story. Like, of some people say, like, he killed her. Some people say, like, she uh, did an overdose and he just tried to hide the body. Like, even if he just did this, that's fucking stupid. Like, at least, 
call the ambulance, like they just don't fucking bury your men and stuff like this. But uh, no, that was a weird thing. Um, actually, it's not the only wrestler. Like there's a, another wrestler who did like something similar in Quebec, and uh, uh, it's called uh, Visceral Vince, who actually like kill his parents and everything for uh, ah. like your home uh, drug. Uh, yeah, like you buy for like twenty grand of cocaine or some shit like this, and he wanted the insurance. And what's fucking weird is like I see Viseral Vince like two, three days too before he did that thing. So I was like, maybe I'm I'm making that stuff. Like I don't know why. Like there's two guys in wrestling who, who kill people, but I see them like two, three days before. So yeah, but yeah, no, it was really weird. Uh, that thing of Kurt, like. Yeah, like it's sad and like that actually happened. The fact like he was a really cool guy and even like in every show he, he was like um, was not like even in the ring. I mean like he he was not like stiff. He didn't want to hurt you. He he, he always like take care of uh, the guy who wrestled him. But uh, yeah, it was fucked up in his head and he's yeah. fucking miserable what you have right now, man. Publicity-wise, did that like bring heat on the company, where you know people, you know, thought negatively of the company, or, or you know, did did pretty much it just blow over? Excuse me, what? Do uh, did it bring like heat on the company, where you know, brought bad publicity uh, um, for the company? Yeah, but I know like the, um, uh, not as long before you get arrested, like. Uh, uh, the news they come they come at IWS and, and all stuff like this, but uh, they have a guy from uh, <clears throat> um, fuck I forgot his name, but anyway there there's a wrestler from uh, from Quebec who, who he went to go see the news and starts saying and like uh, IWS it's not just like Kurt but like IWS is fucking stupid to support him and stuff like this, but like like no one was supporting him like we just like in our brain we like we didn't understand and how that cool guy can do that fucking thing. So, like, yeah, to give right. a bad name a little bit, but, like, it was not, like, even, like, with the news, like, they, they <clears throat> when you get arrested, pretty much, like, everyone stopped to talk about it. Like, they, they didn't have any comeback of that thing. Uh, I don't know what, like, uh, well, me personally, I it didn't, like, give me like that reputation and stuff like this but uh it's just sad then you need that kind of thing so they talk about wrestling in the news in quebec but like uh i don't know it didn't give like a, a bad name but it like obviously didn't help to like because like it's Sometimes in indie wrestling, like, it's a little bit underground, so, like, people don't really know about it, but, like, you don't want to know it more, like, when you just think then there's a bunch of killer in the ring and everything. That's not the fact, but, like, uh, it didn't, it, it was, like, not bad, but it was not good at the same time. All right. Um, so, um, you know, fast-forwarding, um, last year you worked uh, Joey Janela in C4. Um, what was your thoughts on working yeah. Joey? Uh, I didn't know a lot about him, like, uh, at C4, like, when I talked to uh, to the owner of C4, like, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to do a comeback soon, so, like, if you're interested to book me, like, uh, like, I will, like, always, like, uh, like, C4 and everything, and he was like, okay, what, you can have a soldier with Janela, I was like, uh, okay, 
like at the start I took it was a wrestler from Quebec because like when uh when I take a break from wrestling I actually take like six years of break so like I didn't know if they have new names but um uh Joey did not come late at that show because he has problem with the, at the border I think and stuff like this so it was like we planned everything really fast but like it was a uh, uh it put me in uh, uh confidence anyway um we planned some like the match in maybe like five minutes, like just mm-hmm. little start, little hand, and pretty much like okay, well, what we gonna do? We're just gonna fucking brawl. Like I'm known for that thing, like and uh, but that guy's fucking like I really like wrestle that guy. Like even now, like people uh, in the crowd at C4, like they still talk about that match, like because people didn't ex- match happen to because like when uh when I've been invited to C4, like. It was a tough whole new crowd uh, at C4. Like when I was, uh, I used to wrestle at C4. It maybe have like 60 person in the crowd, and now it's like 500, and they have to refuse at least like 100 people, or I don't know if the number is good, but like it's fucking like it's sold out every fucking time at C4. And so when they see me, and it was like, okay, who the fuck is that guy? And like when we start the match, and like we starts well outside it was really cool man it was another yeah. guy like yeah i have a rematch but it was not a one-on-one it was like a four-way uh at team 42 and like it's always cool to wrestle a guy like that guy's fucking crazy man yeah yeah um you know now going into um you know this year you you worked the zandix tournament of survival it was a very anticipated tournament um you know there weren't a lot of spots in it Zandig came back after being away from the business for a long time. So this, this grabbed so much attention. It brought us so much attention to, you know, everybody that was going to be in it. Um, how did it come about that you were going to be in this tournament to begin with? Well, I'm not sure how I get booked to that show, to be honest. Like, well, it's, well, like I talked to the, to the owner of a GCW and like, but, uh, it was like I was impressed and invite me because like I didn't do a lot of death match like when I from my comeback I did a couple of death match uh, I did uh, one time to bring the weapon up IWS and I have like one or two death match at uh, death proof in uh, Toronto but uh, it's not like match and like we it was a good death match for for the show but like it's not kind of match and everyone's gonna talk about it so like when you invite me for uh, well, then they contact me at the start, and I just see it like on Messenger, like John Gosso talked to you. It's like, what the fuck is happening right now? Why the fuck is talking to me, man? And like, I just mm-hmm. read it, and you say like, uh, like I would like to have you in my show. It's like, man, that's fucking awesome. Like, I was actually really happy of this. Like, the the fuck I do, I come back, and like now I go to New Jersey, like to to show like what I can do and everything. Then, and it was like I. I think it was one of my favorite show I did in my in my life. Like it was so fucking professional when, and the show and like uh, when you see some medic in the place and stuff like this. Especially when you do that match, uh, everyone like help each other and stuff like this. Like it was a really really cool experience. Yeah. Now, was, uh, uh, you know, first... I didn't expect this. Like I, obviously I was like nervous, but at the same time I was confident because like. Right now in wrestling, like, I I have nothing really to prove. Like, I don't do that to prove something. So, 
it's weird to say, but I do it for fun. So uh, <laughs> when I can have like fun in another country with like big guy, uh, big that match wrestler, uh, like it, it was the first time I meet Masada too. So that was like I was really happy to meet that guy because like yeah. all this big match and everything. Like I was like, oh my god, and it was a really cool guy too. Mm-hmm. Um, so now first round you go in and you wrestle John Wayne Murdoch and um, the first yeah. spot of the match is you guys set up a big uh, baby powder spot and then the whole match was foggy because of the baby powder spot. How'd you guys come up with that and um, you know, do well, you guys I... know how much powder was in that guitar? No, fuck no, man. It's like it's the fun to bring the weapon, but like I don't know who the fuck did that thing, but like we were doing that thing, like, I just stuck on a microphone, and I just turned, and, like, he hit me with a guitar, but, like, seriously, I get so fucking blind, man, and, like, for a good, like, four or five seconds, I cannot just, I cannot fucking breathe, man, because there's too much baby powder in that thing, but, like, after that, like, I'm so happy they, they did this, too, like, it, like, even, like, just with a video of that spot or a picture, like, it looked fucking crazy, but uh, I've never seen, like, I was seriously blind and like I was so white, man. After that shit, man, it was <laughs> awesome. Yeah, yeah, it was definitely a good visual. Um, so then you guys also yeah, had exactly. a spot in the match where you where you went outside. You were the only other spot outside was the big infamous, you know, off the roof spot. Um, so, you know, what went into the planning of your guys' spot outside? And um, you know, was there any talk of like, okay, do this, but you can't do that because we got this big roof spot? You know, how did that come about? Uh, no, but, well, actually, um, <clears throat> I was meant to to take a move, like, you know, uh, the flipping uh, pie driver thing. Uh, right. I hurt my back. I hurt my back in the match, and, like, when we were walking just to, to that fucking thing, I was thinking about this, and I was like, oh, fuck, man. Like, there's something really wrong in my back right now. Like, it's fucking hurt. Like, I can barely move, but, like, the fan is into it, so, like, I get adrenaline and stuff like this. I think I can do it, but, like, you know, after that, I was like, okay, like, uh, I have more match to do after that, too. So, like, it kind of get uh, changed at the last second. Um, okay. Like, I hate it, like, obviously, like, when you, you plan something and, like, in your mind, okay, the match is going to go like this and like this, like, okay, that plot is going to be fucking awesome, like, and uh, we actually have to change it, then... Like, I feel bad a lot uh, to uh, John Wayne Murdoch about a thing. Like, I say sorry maybe, like, 100 times after the show, too. Like, I was mad at myself after the show. And I was like, oh, fuck, I should take it. But, like, I know, like, okay, what will be, like, how, how it would end if I will take it, too. Like, when you injure yourself sometimes, like, you, there's no, like... I don't want like uh, to start to to miss working because of wrestling and everything because like actually what pay my house is my real day job and stuff like this like I don't really sure. make money in wrestling like like we make a little bit but like I cannot seriously cannot live with that shit like we we don't do it for money we do it for, like for the passion and stuff like this so uh, it sucks like one thing gets like the change at the last second for for that thing like I really enjoy it. like I don't just want to think about that spot in the match. Like, I know uh, when you go outside, maybe sometimes you expect something bigger too. Like, oh my God, you're going to go outside. All that setup is made. And like, oh, you show him like, 
he actually take the bomb and like he can hurt himself and put his body on the line a little bit like for that thing. But um, yeah. if one day ever we we match against him, like we're I'm gonna make sure we're gonna do a crazy spot, like high spot in that. Right. Uh, so you heard your back on what on a TV, right? Exactly. Yeah. On that old fucking like old like big large TV, and uh, I think I fuck man, I talk about that move not as long ago, but I forgot them. It was not a power bomb I took on it, but like it was another move. But my back go uh, sideways, like the, the opposite of what it should go. And, like, uh, I have something in the back that I didn't know exists. Then I just feel that thing, like, move at the left. And, like, I remember when I take the spot, I was like, oh, my God, I cannot breathe anymore. Like, I don't know if it was all because of the baby powder was in the ring or what. But, like, I, for, like, one or two seconds, I just... <clears throat> Uh, even how I was breathing, you can tell like something was really wrong. But like after that, you just carry on the match, and like every time I was bumping, I was kind of going sideways because I think my brain was telling me to do this. Like my brain was more intelligent than me. Like I was going by myself sideways all the time. It's like what the fuck is happening, man? And uh, yeah, it fucking hurts, man. Yeah, and then you know to go forward and wrestle the next match against uh, Danny Havoc, and that was an absolutely insane match. I mean, you know, you didn't go in there and take it light. I mean, you went in there and had a had a battle with, with Danny Havoc. Uh, yeah. What was your thoughts on that match? Well, I like it, but I was sad at the same time. Then uh, I was actually, like, injured before the match. Uh, it was my first uh, one-on-one match against Danny Havoc, and uh, like especially when I sub wrestle, I always like even if I sub wrestle, I look like all the match in wrestling and uh, well especially in Japan, and I see like all the evolution of Danny Evok and like all the place he went and it's like oh my god that's fucking awesome I can have a one on one against him but like it was uh, short like short and sweet too like the fact I was injured and everything. Um, I hopefully like I like uh, I say that a lot, but I really fucking hope I have a rematch against any of us. Then one like I'm actually uh, in shape and like not injured and just have a one-on-one against any of us. I think like right. I won't get a I will be fucking pissed off if I retired again and I don't have that match. Like I need it, but uh, no, it was a really cool guy. Like even. Uh, if it was really fast and uh, I didn't take a lot of uh, back bump, um, uh, I think like me and him, like Danny Avak, like know how to wrestle. You know, like that guy understand wrestling, like that match wrestling and everything. So pretty much like how how we we play, well, we plan nothing. Like most of that match was just a big brawl and the wee whacker uh, spot at the end. But uh, it was really cool. It was like. It was not like brutal, I will say, but it was just like uh, entertaining, like a little bit. Like it's just like the action was always there, and uh, it was really cool. I like that guy. Like yeah. even like personally, I think that guy's fucking awesome. Like, yeah. Um, make sure like he, you know you know I was injured, and like you take care of me yeah. in the ring. So that was really cool. If you had to pull out, you know, maybe four or five matches from your career, they were your favorite matches. Which which ones do you think you'd pull out? My favorite, uh, in all, my, 
Ah, uh, yeah. fuck, man. Like, I did so many. I know there's one match I did at uh, IWS. It was the show I was uh, supposed to wrestle Necro Butcher, but, like, he canceled at the last minute. And I get booked against Excess. And um, in that match, uh, is is that thing, like, sometimes when you don't expect a match and it just happened and, like, the... Uh, the shimmy in the match is so good, and like me and Excess, we just we both have something to prove at that time too. So like we wanted to be more rough than the other one, like and so pretty much like all the match, like for it was quite a long match, too, like at least twenty twenty well twenty something minutes, and uh, like we kill each other. Like even in that match, um, the crowd take uh, Excess and you know like body surfing like when like right, everyone yeah. just take excess and I jump from the balcony like it was at least a 20 25 feet balcony and I jump on excess and in the crowd was holding him like it was fucking crazy and uh yeah. there there's another thing happened in that match like we we bring a knife and he put a knife in my mouth in that match and uh, I think like somebody in the crowd like you know you can be a wrestling fan and you can have some friend who are not wrestling fan. Like you just like, Oh, you want to come with like, or like you ask your friend, like, Oh, what are you doing this weekend? It's like, I'm going to go to your wrestling right. show. It's like, Oh, I'm doing nothing. Can I come with you? It's like, that guy have no fucking clue what is wrestling. He don't understand nothing, man. And, um, right. at one point you just like excess, take a knife in that match and just put that in my mouth. And, uh, that guy actually called the police in the ambulance and everything, man. <laughs> like the the police came at their show and everything and it was like, Oh no no, everything's fine man, everything's chill man. <laughs> but uh yeah, wow. but, like that was that was I will say it was my favorite match uh I did because like uh I didn't plan to do that kind of thing with excess at that time. It was more like most of our match like was just like really stiff but we actually like do hardcore stuff. Um Another match I really fucking like was uh, against uh, Max Ruman at uh, ISW in Connecticut. And it was like my first... I wrestled for Zendig, but it was not like my comeback in the States because I wrestled for ISW uh, October 31. And um, it was... Like, I would like to have a match against him now because like when I wrestled Ruman, it was just my third match from my comeback, so I was right. not like... A, I was not like into it like uh, like I feel now. So, um, but uh, it's just sometimes when you wrestle a guy like even they can like learn you stuff like you you understand more stuff and like how you react in the ring and you're like oh my god like okay that's really cool. But uh, mm-hmm. there's nothing like I have more dream match than a uh, match than a uh, than uh, I. I like a lot of my match, but I did so many matches, and I cannot tell which one's my favorite one. But pretty much those two ones are in my top five. At those least. are the standout. Okay. Um, so, you know, we talked dream matches. Uh, and there's a lot of guys you want rematches with. Who are a few of the dream matches that you have, the guys you haven't gotten a chance to work before that you really, really want to get in the ring with? Um. Uh, Masado is one uh, uh, of the guys I will really like to wrestle. Obviously, I would like to have a match against Zendig, just because, like, just to say that I did it. Um, right. There's, like, seriously 
so many guys and so many like talent like uh when a a Jenning show is the first time like when I see uh, John Wayne Murdoch, it was the first time I wrestled him. Like, obviously, like, when I get booked to a show, then, I don't know, uh, the wrestler, I'm always going to look really fast on YouTube just to, to see, like, you know, when you, at least you don't just come at the show and, like, you have, you know nothing about that guy. You just want to look stuff. And <clears throat> I get lost on YouTube and just start to look, like, all the presenting and, like, what all the wrestler now and, like, most of them are like seriously. I think like right now is a good like year for for wrestling. That they have so much good talent. But um, mm-hmm. uh, dream match like obviously like I would like to wrestle Jun Kasai and like any big Japan guy because I'm a big fan of big Japan. But <clears throat> I don't think like uh, I don't think it will happen. To be honest, I'm not sad that will never happen. But that least match I don't want time man. That I will get nah. like even if I'm not booked against Masado, I'm just gonna do my own show in my backyard and invite Masado and pay him to come wrestle me. Like so, just, <laughs> just to say, then I wrestle that guy. Yeah. Oh shit. Um. Yeah. You know, you you say for the most part you're doing this for fun at this point. You know, it doesn't make you a lot of money and everything. Do you have any goals? Anything you really like to accomplish? You know, before you do hang them up. Uh. Well, I know then always, like, pretty much all the wrestlers will say that, like, we all want to go try to wrestle in Japan. Not all of them, but, like, most of them. Like, obviously, I would like to to being offered to, to go at Big Japan one day. Uh, just because, mm-hmm. like, I'm a big fan of it. And, like, even if I'm not booked, like, one day in my life, I'm going to do a trip to Japan just to go see some big Japan show. Like, well, obviously, I'm going to do other stuff. But, like, uh, but I won't going to say it's a goal because I, personally, I I don't think that will happen. And, like, I, I'm cool with this. It's not something, like, I need in my life. I would just really fucking love that happen. But, um, goal. But I've no, no, I have no goal, man. Like I, I do it for fun, and like I, I think when I gonna, I, I won't gonna go uh, too far in wrestling. Like when I gonna feel like I have to stop, I just gonna stop, and I will say, okay, that's really like I, I pretty much did everything I can in this. But uh, goal, like obviously, I would like to wrestle more in the states because there, there's something like. Uh, I barely wrestle at Quebec anymore, like, I don't know why I'm just, like, they don't, like, invite me or stuff like this, except IWS, um, mm-hmm. but uh, there's something, like, I, at Vending show, I realized, like, all the fans is kind of into the show, like, they're, they're really part of the show, and when, like, just, I was just smoking a cigarette outside, and, like, so many people just, like, talk to me but we actually like don't talk about wrestling we pretty much like talk about like everything and nothing and having a beer and stuff like this so I would say like yeah. the, the MBMs, uh like the like how the, the crowd is with the wrestler like is really really cool in the, in the state so I would say Michael like right now I would like to have at least one more match at CW and one more match at IDW itself before I retire yeah. Well, I'm not, yeah. I'm not um, planning to retire right now. Um, now, now, what do you think? Um, 
because IWS has been around a long, long time. Uh, I'd say almost as long yeah. as CZW. Um, what do you think it is that's kept IWS from growing to probably as big as it can be? Um, I feel like you know you guys have put out tremendous talent from there, and um, the, the company should be bigger than it is. Uh, I think it should be more well known in the states. Um, than it already is. Uh, what do you think it is that's that's kind of held it back a little bit from really blowing up? Uh, well, I think like thing with IWS, like they they r- right now is not the same, but I understand. But and it's okay. Like they they follow like what uh, people want to like. Uh, what they're doing, like they have the IWS arena now, then it's like a like kind of CrossFit uh, building. Then they do like smaller show there, and like three or four times a year they do actually like big show downtown Montreal. Um, but is uh, like I've nothing bad. There's nothing bad I have to say about them or anything. But like um, right. I, I I I'm not a I, I prefer like old IWS. Then I think like even like with the rest like most of the wrestlers like Eddie and XS and Frankie the Mobster they are they all still wrestle with IWS and it's always cool like to see them and uh, Fred La Merveille too uh, Wonder Fred who was uh, the the old owner of MWF then I know that guy like mm. his thing with IWS like I will never say no to IWS because like they I start pretty much I start there like. It's it's home for me, but uh, me like right now, I they they have their their talent like they have uh, my belly was fucking awesome. Today uh, they too like they're really fucking good wrestler and like that's pretty much like the crew of IWS. But uh, right now like I don't see a, a Viking has a full member of IWS anymore. Like I think it's like they it's other people who. It's other wrestlers who make their name, and now they're the the spot uh, of the show. Like me, I'm more like of a, I wrestle more at C4 and Dead Proof in Toronto. Oh, okay. Um, like actually, like Dead Proof is so fucking underrated. Like if anyone would love that match or stuff like this, like they have to look those things online. Uh, they, are, they always invite cool people. Like Steve Carino was at the last show. I actually wrestled him, and it was really cool, man. And they have a big yeah. show uh, coming, a big tournament of that uh, that match tournament soon on August 14th. Yeah, man. Um, so yeah, I mean that, that's pretty much all I got. But I mean, if you want to, you know, go ahead, man. Plug plug whatever you got coming up, and, and anything else you want to put out there. Floor is yours, man. Well, it's pretty much like, well, I pretty much say everything. Like I usually don't talk like this. Like. Uh, I know, like, uh, they have, like, like I say, like, everyone who's fucking love that match, look at that proof, though, that federation is awesome, like, it's all that match wrestler from Canada in a, in that place, like, is, and I actually gonna wrestle the American in uh, August 14, is Joe uh, Etel or something like this, uh, I think it's from New York, and uh, we have, like, we're gonna have a fucking crazy match, and everyone, uh, it's like uh, C4 is doing a uh, fighting back um, on August 20. Like, if people can buy the DVD or stuff like this, I will say fucking do it. Like, we do that show like 
to uh, for a well not for a cancer but like for to reach money like for a cancer because like one of our cool friend uh, die of cancer uh, Frank Pinky uh, on this guy like he he actually died at the age he was not even like 22 years old and uh, so every year C4 is doing a big show like to raise money like it's actually a show then 100% uh, go to uh, to to reach money for for cancer like there's no restaurant we get paid at that show like we all do it because like we we want to keep like take the most money we can for for that thing so it's pretty much like yeah just look online and like look on Facebook page and I have nothing else to say man <laughs> all right man speak. well thank you for <laughs> I work tomorrow on. at five in the morning oh, all uh, good man um. I appreciate you coming on, and, um, I mean, you're welcome back anytime, man. It was great. Oh, fuck, man. Thanks. It was really cool, man. I hope, like, my English was not too bad. Like, sometimes I know then have have problem, but, like, you know, I do my best. <laughs> yeah, man. No, it was great. Uh, I really appreciate it, <laughs> okay. man. Thanks. Okay. Thanks for you, man. All right, man. Take care. There you go. There is Viking. Great dude. Great to have him on. I'm going to take a break and I'll come back. And I, I got a couple little topics to touch on. Not too, too much. Going to wrap it up pretty shortly. But all right. Check it out. Hold on. Too big, you're getting too big. The word has come down. It's not healthy to get too big. Call him a crack dealer, I am like Warhol A nigga paint a picture of a bullet for all y'all Now crawl form. my sophomore jinx is more me But only for my mother, she'll use them as couch covers You niggas cheapin' in my all-star weekends If y'all can't swim in the deep end and watch, nigga Woo! 80,000 on this watch, nigga Yeah, and I ain't never had to watch, nigga Rich or wealthy, pick your poison I think I paid for one too many abortions Another Celine, it's like a routine It's like a Ferris wheel of waist trainers and seven jeans Her new body's in my new body Make her in the hourglass, that's my new hobby Rich nigga shit, how I blew my first million Luckily with something in the ceiling, keep feeling yeah. Talk to right but never talk them to me though When you the link to what fits in a keyhole The realest nigga, the marathon on the Rico the last cocaine superhero I got the cape on to cover kilos The villain wins the evolution of Nino Goddamn Batman, holy Toledo Nah, you ain't talking to me though reported the snort King's whole court Lawyers get bought Palms get greased when them cases get fought No felony, what the fuck is you telling me? Reduce the simple assault It cost to keep it hush-hush It was just us Ended up selling my Batmobile, the crash don't kill, it's how you survived it. Rebound on niggas, I nine-lived it, couldn't miss a Super Bowl or a Cancun. Bitches ain't respecting niggas, not in full bloom, so the neck is full moon. I'm living a lie, she lived for this life, and loving the liar pumps. Loving the rush, I'm living the wire, uh. Drugs in this rap, it's really empire, rich nigga shit. How I lost my second million Luckily with something in the ceiling Keep dealing, yeah 
talk numbers but never talk them to me though When you the link to what fits in the keyhole The realest nigga, the marathon on the Rico The last cocaine superhero I got the cape on to cover kilos The villain wins the evolution of Nino Goddamn Batman, holy Toledo Nah, you ain't talking to me though Ten toes deep in the trap, nigga, I'm good here Feeling like Tony reading the words on a good year Big said, only the feds I should fear So no threat, be on your step with the whole hood there Yeah, shoot up shit, then we blow the scene Kerosene in the 20 ounce, holy spring Nothing to lose attitude, like rhyme from Arizona It's homicide when I slide up on ya Reporting live from the Project Ventures Hella cane, dope and cellophane, dirty syringes Heron zombies, street walking on three week bench Clientele, look like the thriller bin, 3D lens, COD Niggas never had to front me Jones I'm weighing bricks on a scale, ain't put the lunch meat on I'm Nino Brown in the Project Yes, Curtis Jackson in his Pyrex Get rich or die trying is my mind and spin it all to I'm swallowing dirt Cause I ain't never see a brunch truck follow a hearse I ain't never see a dead man taking a stand I ain't never see a nigga swallow a bullet and let her talk about it About that bread, I drop a coffin about it You watch me go through hell, now watch me walk about it Nigga shit, that's how I lost three million Luckily it was something in the ceiling Keep dealing, keep dealing, keep All right, I'm back. Uh, so there's a huge, huge, uh, you know, movement with this this Pokemon situation. Uh, you know, look, I'm, I, I was never a Pokemon fan. Uh, I made the joke earlier. I said, you know, Pokemon always sounded like slang for gay Jamaican to me. But um, <laughs> you know, I look, um, I, I'm not into the Pokemon thing. I've never been into the Pokemon thing. I think age-wise, it kind of just missed me. I got, like, a little too old for that type of shit. And I definitely never got into, like, any kind of anime stuff or anything like that. Um, You know, I, you know, and I joke around and stuff, and I, I think it's, you know, a lot of these people look like fags running around with the fucking Pokemon thing and, you know, really just overhyping the entire thing. But, you know, I, I'll speak also realistically about it. And I think it's an awesome concept. I haven't played it or anything like that. Um, but, um, you know, I, you know, tempted to check it out, but mm, not, not tempted enough where I've done it. Um, plus, I don't have space on my phone for that type of shit anyway. And my phone fucking randomly dies, especially with uh, GPS-related type things. Um and uh yeah man i i just don't uh i don't have the space or any of that shit to even attempt it but um but i i do think the concept is fucking amazing um like a gps related game where you know it actually motivates you to to do things in the actual world like you know to to link you to a map of the fucking of everywhere where you can go and do some shit it, that's pretty goddamn innovative, if you ask me. Um, I, I think it's a very, very cool concept. Uh, of course, you know, there's there's those side uh, notes of motherfuckers getting in car accidents because they're driving out the fucking street looking for goddamn Pokemon. Um, you know, I think a lot of people call that natural selection. Um, but in the same token, you can run into someone that's not playing the fucking Pokemon game. And uh, th- that's a problem. I mean, I know if someone is staring at their phone and runs into me in the fucking store, it's going to be a problem. They're going to catch a lot more than the fucking Pokemon. 
But, um, you know, it's because uh, I, I already get annoyed with people who aren't paying attention and walking. And if this shit increases the way that that shit goes down, we're going to have big fucking issues. Um, I'm going to smash their phone. So, um, but like I said, it's a tremendously innovative concept. And I, and I honestly think it's pretty cool. Um, you know, it's pretty intriguing. Um, you know, maybe, maybe when I get a new phone, it has more space on it and shit. I'll, uh, I'll try that out or maybe there'll be another GPS related game that, uh, I could fuck around with or whatever, but I, I can't see like, I know they have like, you know, Oh, well you can go to this spot. That's, you know, fucking half hour away or whatever. And then this has this and, I don't know. I saw all sorts of shit about it on the news where, you know, pokey gyms are in certain spots. And, that, dude, I'm not doing any kind of traveling for a motherfucking app. Um, the other thing, man, if if this isn't like a movie that fucking writes itself, you know, like a fucking goofball comedy movie, you know, where motherfuckers are, you know finding a reason to go over to somebody's house because they know there's a fucking rare Pokemon in their fucking yard and they're just kind of, you know, using some kind of excuse and bullshit. And, hey, didn't you put in a new pool over there? Like, yeah, let me, hey, let me go check out that pool, you know. I'm thinking about doing something like that in my yard just to get the fucking Pokemon or, or you know, trying to hop somebody's fucking fence with a crazy-ass dog in the backyard, you know, because, you know, there's a fucking Pokemon back there. I mean, there's a lot of angles they can go with this crazy shit. So, um, I don't know. I, I'd expect some kind of crazy comedy spinoff of a uh, GPS game-related hijinks. Um, so, I, I don't know. It's all the rage these days. Um, but, uh, yeah, man, you know, this is, this is just following on the heels of, uh, you know, a lot of big, terrible things that are going on out there. Um, you know, the, the police killing people um and then people killing police and this and that i'm not gonna go into tremendous depth on this but a couple things i do want to say about this is you know the one dude and again you're not going to get a whole lot of fucking you know data out of me like if you're getting news from me you're fucking up uh so it's just my opinion but i know the one dude again I'm not, I don't even got names for you. You know what I mean? I try to, I try to not pay attention to shit like this as much as possible and just live my fucking life because the more you dwell on the negative stuff that goes on in the world, you know, and and this ties in a lot to my feelings on, on the whole thing. But the more you dwell on the negative things in this world, the more negative stuff you're going to find and the less likely it is for you to live any type of happy life um there's always going to be terrible terrible things that happen in this world and if you spend your every minute dwelling on all the terrible things you'll you'll find enough of it to fuck every one of your days up and before you know it you run out of days and your life is over so you could find reasons to be miserable for your entire fucking life or you can kind of try to let a lot of this shit roll off your shoulders, do your best to stay out of your own negative situation and just kind of keep it fucking moving. But what I, what I had read about the one dude that got killed, um, the dude, his rap sheet was fucking crazy. And I know that, you know, a lot of people frown upon that and, Oh, you know, he got unjustly killed by the police. Why are we looking at his rap sheet? First off, this dude, this dude had fucking, drug convictions, 
He had fucking breaking and entering, like multiple fucking breaking and entering, uh, gun charges, resisting arrest. He had fucking, um, he had um, sex with a minor, so he was a fucking sex offender and refused to fucking, refused to um, register as a sex offender, so he kept catching charges for not registering as a sex offender, fucking carrying fucking guns in the past and the motherfucker was oh oh and he beat the shit out of a chick too he had domestic abuse he had fucking uh pedophile charge he had fucking drug charges he had breaking and entering charges fucking gun charge i mean look man i am the type of motherfucker like this i don't you know, whether the cop killed them, whatever. When I see terrible people that are into beating women and fucking having sex with kids and fucking running around with guns and dealing drugs and breaking and entering and all that shit, I want that person gone. I don't want that person walking around on the planet. Whether they go and chase a Pokemon off a fucking cliff and die or whether they fucking get stupid with a cop and a cop kills them, I'm glad they're not here anymore. Now, I don't want to see a situation where cops are running around, you know, picking people off. How many times do you think that you can go and resist a fucking cop while being the type of dude that runs around with guns and, and, and walk away? You don't get to keep fucking resisting arrest and fucking tussling with cops and live forever, man. Your chances of dying go way the fuck up. And I don't give a fuck what color you are, if I took up the habits of that fucking dude, my chances of dying go way the fuck up. I don't give a fuck what you say about color. Number one. Number two, if you do look at the fucking stats, there are more white males that get killed by cops than black males. So if we're going to paint the fucking picture, the cops are running around killing black people all day, that's a fucking lie. And that's part of what the fucking media does is, trumps up this shit and tries to get everybody riled up, and the more riled up you get, the more motherfuckers are fighting cops, and the more likely it is for a cop to kill a motherfucker. That's just the way it is, man. These guys have a fucking job to do. I'm not like, you know, extremely pro-cop guy, whatever the case was. Believe me, I lived years as a fucking knucklehead running around weed on me all the time. The last thing I wanted to see was a cop, you know what I mean? But, in the same token, if a cop pulls you the fuck over, man, you got to act the fucking role. If your first instinct is, fuck you, you ain't doing shit with me, how do you think this fucking altercation is going to go down? He's going to go, okay, sorry for bothering you, sir, and he's going to get back in his car. No, man, you got you got a whole fucking list of shit to deal with with this dude. He's not going to be nice to you. He's going to go to the fullest extent of shit. He's calling for backup already because you're acting hostile. And then you start flailing your fucking arms around, and maybe you have a registered gun, but you're already acting shitty with the dude that can kill you. I mean, it's just it's just a lot of crazy shit going on. And it's not quite as clear-cut as, like, black people are just getting killed, period. Like, dude, if, if we're going to start pointing out a situation where a guy is doing completely legal, lawful type shit and then just getting fucking shot in the head because he's black or something, well, then then maybe let's talk about that. But it seems like every fucking altercation starts with some wild shit going on 
and then later on saying how he shouldn't have been killed. Well, maybe not, but there's a whole lot of fucking preventatives that could be taken. The shit is crazy that's going on out there. Motherfuckers, it's just, you know, I mean, dude, the other shit, the other shit that happened, the other dude that supposedly, you know, he had a registered gun or whatever, it was in the glove box and the chick was in the car. That was some wild shit, man, and it seemed completely uncalled for, and the dude got killed. Um, I don't know what the fuck the the complete facts about the thing is. Like I said, I don't stare too long at this shit because again, it's fucking it's terribly depressing, man. And the the cop, the way that the shit went down was weird on a lot of fronts, man. Like first off, the chick, she was acting wild, man. Like she was just like, please don't tell me he's dead. It was it was almost like a bad acting job, you know what I mean? It's like, oh, please don't tell me you killed that motherfucker. And this dude is screaming, like, this dude is fucking bugging out. This cop was losing his shit like he knew he fucked up. Above and beyond was just like, I told him not to do the fucking, you know, like, he was, he was bugging the fuck out, man. And so you could tell, like, that shit was fucked up. The cop was like, you know, clearly in the wrong by his own fucking admission by the way he was acting following that shit. So the shit was fucked up, man. Um I don't know. I, I don't know. Like I said, I'm not I'm not just backing the cops up on all this shit. Um but like I said, the more fucking you're ready to fucking show them what they can and can't do when they show up, the harder this shit's gonna go down, man. And I don't think you deserve to die before because of it or any of that type of stuff. But hey man Act a certain fucking way, and, and, and I guarantee you change your chances in your favor to walk the fuck away, man. Like I said in this shit in the past, years ago, we were, I've talked about this type of stuff on the show before. Even if you're completely anti-cop, view them as a fucking predator. You know? Act like you're the motherfucking antelope walking across the plains, and you see a lion, act like you see a fucking lion. Don't Don't pretend like, you know, hey, man... I could just poke this motherfucker in the eye and tell him, fuck you, you're going to get eaten. You know what I mean? That's the way it is. At least play the fucking role. To audition for a fucking play where you're a fucking law-abiding citizen when that dude shows up and do whatever the fuck you want, say whatever the fuck you want when they go away. But if you decide that when he pulls the fucking car over, you're, you're Billy Badass, man, that, that shit isn't going to work out in your favor. It's just not, man. And again, I'm not speaking towards every situation. I'm not saying that this is what happens every single time a cop kills somebody. I'm just saying overall, man, maybe maybe the shit isn't isn't as safe to fucking bug out and 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 cops, man. I wouldn't do that type of shit. I know that fucking much, and because I I know that color wouldn't make a fucking difference if I started flailing around at cops and had a gun in the glove box and or I had a gun on me and then. And then, oh, well, maybe my left arm was secure and this and this, but my right arm was moving a little too much and this and that. And I did have a gun on me in previous charges saying I fought cops and hit a girl and did this and did this and did this. Yeah, well, uh, they already pulled your name up. They know all this type of shit you're capable of. And the shit, they're not building a good fucking resume for how the shit's going to go down with you, man. I don't know. It's just. It's crazy, crazy shit going on out there. And I, and I think if we focus on our own fucking actions, I, I think we're way more in control of our destiny than the fucking crooked cops are. You, you, got, you know, you're going to give them no fucking reason to make you to be the target. And then the next thing you know, they got to find somebody else to fuck with because you're not the one flailing around at them. 
I, that's that's just the way I see it, man. I don't I don't know. Um, and then um, you know, people you know to follow that up where now they're they're killing cops, man. They, they didn't even kill. They didn't go after the cops that that killed somebody. They're going after just random ass cops. You know what I mean, it's just it's just fucking mayhem. And it, you know, if you think killing cops is not going to make all the other cops more on edge when they pull you the fuck over. You're crazy, man. What's the end game for this? It's just terrible. It's absolutely terrible from front to back. And, I mean, the the only thing we could do to fucking change the situation is change ourselves. One fucking person at a time, try to fix this shit. Of course, you hope the cops, you know, are more on top of shit. The good cops are fucking putting the bad cops in their place. The good cops are turning the bad cops in. Of course, of course, we hope that's what happens. But in the meantime, we got to do our fucking best to stay out of the fucking out of the danger zone, man. Ah, fuck. I mean, you, you just hope this type of shit goes away, man. We got, you know, all sorts of crazy, you know, terrorism and shit like this. But within our own country, we got shit going on that we're we're as big of a danger to ourselves as any other terrorist is. It's it's fucking crazy, man. And, and you know, and it. The black light matters, all lives matter, this and that. Again, I don't like where, um, you know, it, it becomes the this person or this group versus this group. Cops versus black people. Uh, black lives matter. Look, man, um, it, it's really not about black, white, this, that. Um, I, I saw somebody posting that shit, and somebody said, you know, there's – Somebody said the the Black Lives Matter is racist and this and that. And I don't necessarily agree with that. But the other guy pops up on there and says, uh, some people just don't realize that Black Lives Matter. That's why you have to tell them. And I said, well, that's that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. So you're telling me that there's people out there that don't give a fuck about whether black people live or die. But if you say Black Lives Matter, they go, oh, you know, you make you make a good point. Get the fuck out of here. It's just like, um, you know, uh, Corolla had said on his podcast a lot of times that he's seen people with bumper stickers that says stop human trafficking. Like anyone is going to see that bumper sticker while delivering a fucking, you know, a sex slave or something. And go, yeah, you know what? That guy's bumper sticker makes a good point. I'm going to go bring this fucking kid back to his family. You know what I mean? Like, the, I don't know what just saying that type of thing is going to do for the actual problem. I think it, it riles people up more than anything. I don't think it necessarily solves a motherfucking thing. Um, and, and I would love for someone to prove me wrong. Prove me wrong where that statement now turns somebody who was going to kill somebody or was going to do wrong, and because someone said Black Lives Matter, they're going to go, oh, yeah, you're right. That's my bad. Let me put my gun away. You know, or like those fucking dumbass, um, you know, stop domestic violence fucking commercials on TV. Like, Like, I was on my way to the other room to punch my bitch in the face, but now... That I saw this commercial. You know what? I'm just gonna um, I'm a I'm gonna do something else. I mean I'm I'm gonna go and take out the garbage instead of 
attacking the woman in the other room because this commercial made a good point when they said that it needs to stop now. And I was going to stop after the commercial break, but now that the commercial came on early, you know, it really changed my plans for the evening. So, you know, I'll find something else to do. I mean, exactly what is just saying some shit. There are irrational people out there. There are people that are going to do fucking wrong. And I don't think going, hey, you know that shit ain't right. They're going to go, really? Fuck, man. You know, didn't think about that. My bad. So I don't know. I don't know if that's necessarily the way to go about things, but I definitely think it riles people up. Um, I don't know. I mean, whatever whatever methods of, of uh, organization or, or getting shit together, trying to get people shit together that are off fucking track, whatever whatever kind of ideas you got, go at it. But I just think screaming, uh, you know, catchphrases that, that get people all riled up, I, I don't know that that actually does anything. So, But, but maybe I'm wrong. Again, it's just one asshole's opinion. So. Um, there, there's that uh, UFC 200 I watched that for the most part uh, You know I'm not a huge UFC guy I watched some of the big fights and stuff But um, You know I I had heard a lot of different things going into this thing First John Bones Jones Was always one of my favorite guys to watch He was a bad motherfucker man um, But you know He was into the fucking coke And I don't know what else He I guess failed some kind of drug test or something uh, Several days before the match So they, they pulled him from the fucking event Which was a huge thing between him and uh, Daniel, Daniel Cormier Cormier uh, whatever. So that guy and um they had a big feud going, so this would have been a huge fucking match. Well uh Anderson Silva subs in. Two days fucking notice. This guy subs in and uh, you know, he he's going into the fight. So I mean, this dude is one of the best uh UFC fighters of all time. You know, he had a storied history, like really fucking controlling this shit. But um yeah, he snapped his fucking leg off the other guy's leg a couple of years ago. Uh, you know, gruesome fucking injury. But uh, you know, he's he's been around for a while, but two days fucking two days notice. I, I didn't think there was a way in hell that guy was winning that match and he didn't. It was a pretty boring match, you know, just back grabbing, holding, grabbing, holding, you know, dude got some offense, couple of this, couple of that. Eh, win by fucking uh you know, decision, and good on him for stepping up and taking a fight on short notice and shit like this, but, you know, surely wasn't the fight we were going to get. Um, the other match, uh, fucking Brock Lesnar, man. Fucking Lesnar. This dude, you know, people were sleeping on Brock. Uh, Brock, this Brock, you know, he's he's, uh, he's he's a wrestler. And this fucking dude, this Samoan guy, I think he's Samoan, uh, Mark Hunt, he's just knocking motherfuckers out. And, uh, Brock can't handle that type of shit. And this guy's the hardest hitter in UFC. And this and that's it. Brock Lesnar is a motherfucking animal. You know, I mean, you can't forget that this dude was, was a straight-up, you know, Olympic level. I don't think he was, you know, quite uh, to the level of Kurt Angle as far as Olympic achievements. But, you know, NCAA champion fucking wrestler. Not just, you know, pro wrestler dude. This dude was, you know, top level fucking wrestler. 
So obviously his grappling game is fucking supreme. On top of that, he's fucking immensely fucking big and strong. So even the other guys who cross the ring, that they're big dudes too. Brock Lesnar is a fucking force, man. And he clearly trained for a long, long time and, and, you know, can do some other shit too. And sure enough, man, he dominated that fucking fight. The other dude stand a fucking chance. And Vince McMahon's fucking uh, price just went way the fuck up because this dude just made $6 million off that fucking fight and a piece of the fucking revenue from the, from, from the pay-per-view. So... You know, you know. look, man, this is kind of a win-win for uh, the WWE because on one hand, yeah, you know, uh, Brock wins, goes way to fuck up. So that that's not good. But I don't know if they lose actual matches on the schedule from him because even if he goes, okay, now I want to go dominate the UFC again, well, you know, he wasn't really on a full crazy schedule with the WWE anyway. He was going on a handful of fucking appearances, making a shitload of money for it, and this and that. I tend to think his price goes up, you know, because if he's making fucking $6 million for a fight at a UFC, eh, you know, I want you for a handful of appearances at the WWE. Eh, I think his price goes up. Um, which, you know, Vince has got it and everything, and, uh, you know, for the WWE, he's he's that much bigger of an attraction if he's dominating people in the UFC. And um, I, I think if he takes the loss there, because, uh, you know, some people were saying, oh, Vince must be shitting in his pants right now. And it's, I'm like, no, oh, man, because if Brock takes the loss, look, you can't take the fucking push away from Brock Lesnar. There's nothing you can do unless, like, he blew that dude in the middle of the fucking octagon. You can't do anything to make Brock Lesnar not a scary fucking individual when it comes to the WWE. Like, he's not going to get knocked out by a guy in UFC because he he got fucked up before. He didn't come back to the WWE and you're like, I don't know if I quite believe this guy's fucking badass. Like, dude, what, are you fucking kidding me? There's nothing you could, like I said, short of this guy blowing a guy in the middle of the octagon. I don't think there's anything you could do to destroy Brock Lesnar's character as a fucking unstoppable force in the WWE. So, I mean, that that's what he's going to be either way. And if he did take the loss, I think it works on the other side of things. I don't know price-wise negotiating or whatever, but maybe Brock takes a loss and he turns around and says, hey, you know what? Maybe I should step away from this UFC shit. You know, I'm not, I'm not up to the par that I thought I was going to be. I caught another loss. Do I go back in fucking heavy, crazy training? Or do I maybe really just focus on the wrestling thing more, do a couple more dates for them during a year, cash a couple more checks, and be that much more of the WWE guy or whatever. You know, so maybe it works in their favor where they got a couple more dates out of them or whatever the case may be. But that that's not the way it went. So we're talking, uh, you know, Brock Lesnar just fucking crushed a guy on, w- or on UFC. Now he's the fucking attraction on the WWE television that, you know, is is a fucking huge, huge draw. So that's that. Uh, then there was Misha Tate versus the other chick. I don't even remember her fucking name, and she beat the uh, ever-loving shit out of Misha Tate. Um, the women's division is just – there's no dominance in the women's division since Ronda's gone. There's no stability. 
there's no fucking there's no top chick. You know, that, that chick caught Rhonda slipping, you know, and she, she kicked her in the fucking head. I mean, she overall, she she put Rhonda on fucking notice, man. And, you know, that wasn't something Rhonda was used to. She got fucking really knocked out of her game, and it fucked her up mentally because she was so dominant and she wasn't. But let's not forget, previous to that fucking fight, she was an unstoppable force. No one was coming near her. Not even remotely close, man. She was shutting everybody the fuck down. And now the chick beats her. She loses to a chick that Ronda beat a couple times. And Misha Tate. And Misha Tate gets fucking just destroyed by this other chick. So it's like, yay, man. It's it's entertaining because anybody could wind up with that fucking title. But on the same token, man, you need a fucking top, top cat. I really want to see Ronda back in there. And, and, you know, get another good run, you know, just just really fucking conquering shit. And, and, hey, man, let her climb up the fucking ladder again, you know, and, you know, get all those fucking pay-per-view fights out of that. Because she's tremendously entertaining. She She's a huge, huge draw, possibly one of the biggest draws in UFC history. And, um, you know, I think she's got a career in acting and probably possibly the wrestling thing because I've heard that you know she wanted to be involved in the WWE so possibly when she's fully fully done with UFC maybe we see you know her as a, a WWE chick but um yeah I, she's got an acting career she's got a lot of things going on I definitely like to see her not just be defeated by one loss and come back and really uh you know conquer some shit and uh you know w, uh, the UFC definitely misses her so it is what it is, man. That uh, that that was just kind of my my little uh, little bit of opinions on UFC and what, what's going on there. Um, look, uh, the sports den is on tonight. Uh, Oso is back in the building, motherfucking uh, Nick. He's he's been working his ass off, so he hasn't necessarily been a big part of the sports den. Uh, you know hasn't been able to, to be there for the shows, but he's back tonight. They got a lot of shit to talk. I think they're talking a little, uh, you know, leading into uh, preseason football right around the bend and everything else. I'm getting pretty hyped for that, man. Definitely going to start a lot of football talk, you know, within the next probably eh, month and a half or so. Because I'm not I'm not ready to leap into it just yet, but, um, you know, you know the deal. And uh, I'm going to get a bunch of guests. I'm going to try to do things a little bit differently this year as far as football talk. I'm going to try to shake it up and do more guest-related football talk and, uh, you know, maybe do a little bit of picks. But, um, yeah, yeah, we'll we'll see how it goes. I I definitely want to make it a little bit more of an interesting segment on the show because I know there's not a, you know, not everybody are super football fans. So I'm going to try to do some different things with it. you know, in the works or whatever. Um, next week, I believe my guest on the show will be Josh Crane. Uh, I just have to confirm that with him, but I talked to him a couple of weeks ago, and we were all set to do that. So I believe that's going to be uh, next week's guest. I um, look forward to talking to that dude. Also, um, check out the Hot Tag Podcast. My dude's over there holding it down. Uh, they're doing their thing, man. And um, Andrew Carluck, man, he... He uh, he's running into a lot of problems with the fucking co-host situation, man. Uh, he 
He was doing, you know, Stern Nation for years and co-host, you know, got very busy. She started having a lot of, you know, big things going on in her life. And she had, a, you know, a bunch of, you know, different things to deal with. Uh, she just got married, so congrats to Steph. Um, you know, and, and uh, she's got a lot of things going on. So that we're not able to really continue doing Stern Nation. He didn't want to, you know, roll with another co-host or anything because, you know, it was, you know, it was something special that they had there. They didn't want to... Uh, you know, turn it into something else. So, you know, that that's his decision that's, uh, you know, respectful. And, uh, you know, he started up the Artie Quitter Nation, which was, uh, you know, just like the Stern Nation, but it was more based, based around the uh, the Artie Quitter podcast. And, you know, hey, man, did his thing over there with that. Um, he started up with a guy, Rick from L.A., and uh, I guess Rick decided he didn't want to do it anymore after only a few shows. So, I'm hoping Andrew gets back up on his feet, gets uh, gets another co-host in there because you know he enjoys doing it, and uh, you know I, I like the topics that he's talking about. Artie Lang, Howard Stern, those are two things I focus on quite a bit. Uh, two of the things I listen to the very most are the uh, Howard Stern show and Artie Quitter podcast. I also listen to Bill Burr, Corolla. Those are like my main podcasts. I barely ever listen to wrestling podcasts anymore. It's just I don't want to hear about anyone's opinion on fucking Monday Night Raw. I don't care enough to watch Monday Night Raw myself, so I sure as hell don't want to listen to, you know, an hour and a half of a bunch of dudes tell me what they thought about it. So, you know, I I just over time have gotten bored with that. As you see with me, I sometimes get bored of my own fucking wrestling podcast, and I take some weeks off because uh, it just doesn't even appeal to me to talk about it. So um, it is what it is, man. Uh just just my own personal likings on things. Obviously, wrestling podcasts have huge followings and uh, do pretty well for themselves. But I, uh, you know, I'm up and down with it. And for the most part, my listening, uh, you know, I check into the Hot Tag podcast every once in a while, but it's just about the only wrestling podcast I listen to at all. And uh, that's not even a weekly deal. But uh, anyone who's into wrestling podcasts, definitely go check them out. They do, you know, the wrap-ups on everything. They talk about a lot of old-school stuff, uh, old ECW stuff, FFW. They cover a lot of stuff, uh, a lot of different topics they hit. Um, and then, uh, like I said, hopefully Andrew gets his uh, co-host deal back together. I had planned on calling in there and talking some shit about one of the old uh, arty guests and stuff. So hopefully they get it back together, and, uh, you know, that that's pretty much that. I'm trying to think if there's anything else I'm missing or anything I had planned on talking about. I don't think so. Uh, yeah, I'm over two hours now. So, you know, whatever whatever it is, I'll, I'll fucking save it for next week. One big thing I got this weekend, though, the last race of my race season, the final piece of my trifecta, the super fucking Spartan out in, uh, like, the Poconos area. I'm doing that on Saturday. I'm fucking hyped. Super fucking hype, and um, yeah, man, it's going to be fucking awesome. I'm going to go in there, I'm going to crush this motherfucker, and I'm going to have my second year of doing a trifecta in a row, and um, yeah, I'm excited. So, uh, you know, I'll talk about that next week. I'm a guest on next week as well. Um, You know, I mean, what what can I tell you? My peppers are growing good outside. I got that whole deal going, Uh, you know, going well. Hyping up to my fucking pepper party, fucking August. Um, oh, speaking of Artie Lang, man, I had mentioned uh, last week about the Lenny Dykstra interview on Stern. 
bro. Lenny went on the fucking Artie the other day, man, and holy shit, this motherfucker was funny, man. Artie is is fucking hilarious, man. The way he riffs with his guests and fucks with them and jokes with them and stuff like that. Like, Stern was a little bit more of, like, a serious interview, and Lenny is just so off the fucking wall that it was so tremendously entertaining and funny and all that. But Artie bouncing off of what Lenny had to say was just fucking phenomenally comical. So, um, definitely check that out if you get a chance. Uh, you know, if you need any help with that, you can hit me up or whatever. Uh, I'll see what I could do. But, um, yeah, man, tremendously entertaining shit. Uh, Lenny Dykstra is off the fucking chain, man. That dude is, is fucking out there. Um, but yeah, man, so I, I think that's, that's about all I got. Let me see, uh, get my motherfucking, uh, I gotta find my outro now. I could put it under numbers, because that's usually the easiest way I could find it. All this stuff is, like, alphabetized, and it's weird because it alphabetizes it, like, fucking twice, where it's, like, starts the alphabet over again, and then, uh, it's just a pain in the ass to find any motherfucking thing. So, um, let me see if I can find it. Oh, there it is. All right. So, look, man, uh, thanks for listening. I'll talk to you motherfuckers next week. Got some racing to do. And uh, that's it. Peace. I love all of y'all and uh, shit. You're all a bunch of fucking assholes. You've been in the gym, bro. You know why? DJ Hyde, fuck you. You don't have the guts to be what you want to be. You need people like me. I'll listen to your, to your podcast and I'll find everything out. You know what I mean? You need people like me so you can point your fucking fingers and say, that's the bad guy. So, what I make you? Good. Like Jesus tell me, tells me all the time to listen to what you gotta say because you be blazing people. And I'm like, well, I gotta hear it now. <laughs> you just know how to hide. Me, I don't have that. Me, I always tell the truth, even when I lie. The Juice Radio. Jesus! So say night to the bad guy. I'm gonna tell you something straight off the motherfucking press. I ain't coming for no food.